Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language, and we're here your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I am your host, as always, Steve Dewald, and we are joined yet again, our most frequent guest from down under, Adrian Bernisich. Adrian, how are you doing? Have you come to terms with the Blazers losing the Pelicans pick? That's going to be what we kick the show off with. So how are you doing, buddy? Hi, Steve. I feel like I'm part of the furniture on Church of Roy now. Yeah, I feel like yeah. a, um, it's just returning home. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still. I mean, I was pretty devastated watching that, watching that Clippers game and watching COVID destroy the um, the Blazers' chances at a at a second pick. Because really, Paul George plays that game. Things are totally different. Um, I, look, I'm. I'm looking toward the Milwaukee pick now. Um, kind of trying to see where they might be in three years' time. They're going to have Giannis, no doubt. But um, but yeah, I, look, I, I don't think I don't think it's uh, as bad as what some people on Twitter are making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so before we get too ahead of ourselves, what, so basically what happened is the Blazers, as part of the CJ McCollum trade. Um, received a first-round pick from the Pelicans that was protected this year, and it had to fall between picks number 5 and 14 in order for the Blazers to get it. If it did not fall in that range, uh, the Blazers got the Milwaukee Bucks 2025 first-round pick, which I believe is – the the Pelicans own that because of the Drew Holiday trade is how they have that pick. So, and, it's, and it's top four protected as well. Yep, top four protected. So – if that pick were to some reason fall at the top of the lottery, I think the Blazers get two second round picks is what's conveyed to them. So that, that would be the true nightmare scenario. Um, I, I think you raise a valid point as far as not, I mean, it's disappointing. Don't get me wrong. Um, Paul George not playing is disappointing, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I think it's important to keep things in perspective when you're looking at these future picks. I mean, even just look at this year. Even, you know, three, four months ago, the most desirable pick you wanted from the Pelicans 
was their own pick. It wasn't the Lakers pick. This Lakers team fell flat on its face. And, and now that pick is, is a lottery pick. So, you know, and only a couple spots behind Portland. So really who knows what the future is going to hold. I mean, we've seen this happen with the Nets and the, the Celtics and their big trade that they had. We've seen this happen time and time again. Nothing is guaranteed in the NBA. I don't wish anything, you know, <laughs> against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. I love Giannis. Um, but, you know, you never know who's going to, you know, what injuries might creep up, who's still going to be on the roster at that point. So th- there's still a lot of options for that pick itself. Also, first-round picks have value. I mean, when you throw them into a trade – especially when they're a couple years out fans for the most part and organizations see that first round pick label. They're not necessarily thinking of where it's going to fall. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it does factor into some of that, but I mean, at the end of the day, Bucks first round picks, future first round picks got a deal done to get drew holiday. Like that, that pick still has value as an asset without a doubt. It's, it's amazing to see the difference in value from pick 30 to pick 31. It's just mm-hmm. It, sometimes it's it's astonishing that the you've got the last pick of the first round and the first pick of the second round, and they just they're just worlds apart when it comes to when it comes to value. So, and obviously the Blazers are picking quite early in the second round this year, which I'm sure we'll, we'll have a, a quick chat about as well. Yeah, yeah. So before we start looking at because so as the day we're recording is the day when the coin flips, the tiebreakers came out, so we know exactly where the Blazers are picking. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about a couple things with the Pelicans. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on, on, is there any part of you that second guessed the entire CJ McCollum trade at any point, you know, as you're watching, you know, everything kind of collapse against the Clippers. Was there any part of you that wished you could take back that trade for the Blazers? Larry Nance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just, just on how well he played in that game. But I know why he was included, because you don't get that $20 million trade exception if you keep Larry Nance um, in Portland. But look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset at what we got. I'm upset that we had to par with Larry Nance, knowing how good he is and can be. That was my, that was my issue. You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. 
You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Yeah, Larry Nance is an interesting part of it because, you know, I, I just did a draft profile on Jeremy so, so, Sohan today um, that very much, you know, I think I put it in the article, like he projects as a player that's going to do, you know, if he fits with the Blazers, he's going to fit a role similar to what the Blazers hope Larry Nance Jr. would have been. And, and really it it is that versatility in the front court that the Blazers have so often lacked in the Damian Lillard era. Um, you know, there was, I think there was a lot of hemming and hawing about what exactly, you know, CJ McCollum was doing and is this a big regret and, and did we get enough value? The, the one thing that I don't think got talked about enough is the Robert Covington trade during all this because the Blazers gave up two first-round picks. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And they could have easily been in position. I mean, it would have been earlier than when he was selected, about eight, nine picks earlier. But Herb Jones is like for what he's doing as a rookie is so useful and I think he just projects as a player that is going to be not only useful for all teams, but he's going to play a significant role in competitive teams going forward. What he does on the defensive end of the court, he picks up any assignment. He makes smart plays, even on offense. He has limitations, obviously, but he's smart. He makes the right decision. And like the Blazers just haven't had a ton of that in their front court. I mean, Al Farouk Aminu played lights out defense, but man, it was terrifying every time he got the ball. I, <laughs> I And same with Maurice Harkless in a lot of ways too. You never really knew if those two players specifically were going to make the right decision when they had the ball. I don't think that's something you got to worry about with a guy like Herb Jones, but it just comes down to this whole idea that hindsight is twenty twenty. I also think for a lot of people who were big Neil O'Shea critics, which I, I'm among those, um, I think it was, a, it was a little taste of, of getting, hearing the other side of the fan base really criticize the GM. I mean, a lot of these people are the same people who supported Neil O'Shea, but I think if you kind of step back from it, you kind of are able to see the other side of the house, basically. And the feeling, you're feeling what they were feeling when we were criticizing the GM, and now we're feeling it when they're criticizing the GM that... For the most part, I still support. I mean, it's I'm not a, a crazy Joe Cronin uh, a fanatic, but I, I think he made some tough decisions. I also don't know what deals were available to him. I don't know what type of pressure ownership was put on him. I don't know what his objectives were for the season. Um, without that information, I'm kind of incomplete on, on what I think of Joe Cronin. But uh, I, I guess before we kind of put a put a bow on it, what has it changed how you feel about Joe Cronin? Do you still feel like the Blazers should lift the interim tag or is it still too soon uh, 
to to really make that decision. I am. Um, I don't regret the trade. I mean, in hindsight, you you should have gone for the Lakers pick. I mean, you would have you would have included the Lakers pick and not the Pelicans pick. But Cronin had to make a bold move because the Blazers were stuck. They they were they were just they were just moving deck chairs on the Titanic. It was yep. it was the, it was going to be the same thing year after year because McCollum's contract was so prohibitive. Um, and and they needed a new start. And I'm still in favour of what he's done. Yes, the the the, the bold uh, move hasn't paid off. But look, we there was still a first round pick to be had here, so it's not the end of the world. Um, again, I'm not a I'm not a Joe Cronin ice, um, but I think I'm I, I'm excited about the possibility of possibility, and that's what we have with these trade exceptions and a little bit, little bit of cap space and um, the potential to get a first round, uh, a high lottery pick. And um, we, we find out next month how high that's going to be. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm still positive about it. Yeah. I, I think the two things that were kind of left out of the equation for a lot of people were really upset about the CJ McCollum trade after the pick did not convey from the Pelicans was there's a couple of things. One, how much negative value was CJ McCollum's contract adding to him as an asset? Um, and two, you know, how many wins added would there have been for the Blazers down the stretch if CJ McCollum was on the team? Could they, could they have gotten him to agree to sit for the rest of the season? Who knows? Uh, I would imagine they probably would have, but you know, there's an argument that maybe they couldn't, and maybe they would have added a couple more wins that could have directly impacted how the lottery balls fall next month. So I, th- I think, you know, so much of Joe Cronin's plan and, and potentially lift, lifting the interim tag really comes down to uh, crazy enough, probably how these lottery balls fall, because mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the linchpin of his his plan here. And I'm assuming it's his plan. I mean, again, we don't know what Burt Cold is is instructing this team to do. We don't know what the Vulcans are saying as far as objectives of what direction they want to see this franchise go in the near term. So um Outside. I think, I think you bring a, I mean, holding on to CJ for the rest of the season, I don't, I think it was also a need to refresh. Mm-hmm. And holding on to McCollum and sitting him for the rest of the season still wouldn't have given that closure. The, McCollum needed to go. I mean, he needed to go mm-hmm. two or three years ago. But <laughs> if he'd still been on the roster past the deadline, then. Uh, Cronin had to, to put his mark on this on this franchise and he did it in a way that has opened up possibilities and with McCollum still sitting on that bench I don't think we would have been able to move on as we have and we and look the Pelicans pick is is, is frustrating the fact that it, it hasn't conveyed but I think when we look back on this after the, the lottery and after the, the draft and after free agency and trades and whatnot I think people will tend to kind of that, that that anger will diminish a little bit. I think looking at it from a from a macro, a more macro point of view. Well, I, I mean, come on, man. It's it's right now. Um America like fans want instant gratification on a lot of this yeah. stuff. So like I mean it stung, you know, right in real time that, you know, it didn't uh it didn't convey. I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean it stung. I mean it sucked. And, and, you know, I think the other thing, too, that kind of hurt a little bit was like, 
you didn't really even get to enjoy CJ McCollum playing his way into the playoffs because you were rooting against him so much. And I think that was like, like the, the secret sting to all of it was like, man, I was like actively rooting against a player that I loved watching. And then I was really rooting for in a lot of ways, but. But was, wasn't it poetic that you've got Covington and Powell on one side and Nance and McCollum on the other? I mean, that, you 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 want you you want Covington and Powell to, to win over two mm-hmm. two guys. I mean, Nance became a fan favorite quite quickly, but McCollum is. I mean, we've said what we've said about his fit on this team, but he's been he's been a really important part of this franchise for 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 a decade now, and it was still he's still kind of is important to many. I'm I'm, I'm assuming to 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 many a Portland fan. Mm-hmm. So. You know, moving past this part of it, I mean, obviously we we won't know exactly where the Blazers are picking until, you know, May 17th, but we do know that the Blazers will be picking at pick number 36. That is their own second round pick. And then they will also be picking at number 57, which is the Memphis pick, but that was thrown in as part of the trade with the Jazz, I believe. So, and that was the Nikhil Alexander-Walker trade. Um, it's also important to note that there's only 58 picks in this year's second round. Uh, the Heat and the Bucks had to forfeit their picks due to some tampering issues in the offseason um, last year. So, you know, there's fewer picks in front of them, um, fewer picks altogether. So maybe that adds a little value to that pick. I mean, very minutely, but, but still, you know, value added is value added. Um is anything jump out as far as any of those two second round picks that, that may excite you or, or anybody you're, you're kind of hoping for there? I'm to be honest, I haven't looked too closely uh, in the second round. I'm not for a minute going to, going to say that I'm an expert on, on this college season. I have, I have watched the top of the draft and, and a few of the players that are probably going in the top 15, 20, but I, I can't, I don't really have anyone kind of past past the first round that I can really put my finger on. Yeah, I, I would just say the 36 pick in general it excites me just because of how, one, how the contracts work. Just because once it gets out of the first round, there's no set scale for any of those picks. So the Blazers will be able to negotiate with whoever they draft as far as, you know, it doesn't have to be fully guaranteed. I mean, most likely it will be at 36, but they have some more flexibility that they wouldn't necessarily have picking in the first round. This is also a range where the Blazers historically have ha- found success. Um, Alan Crabb in this range, um, and, and more recently Gary Trent Jr., who you know he's not with the Blazers but did generate value uh, in the Norman Powell trade. Like I don't know if we can say that Gary Trent Jr. generated value anymore after the Norman Powell trade. Oh, that's depressing. But um, we can talk about the thrill. I mean, he got us out of Flalo. Yep. Oh, also Will Barton. Shout out Will Barton. Uh, not taking any crap from Demarcus Cousins in, in the huddle in, in the postseason. Got very heated for quite a while, is what it sounded like. So, um, but yeah, you just just a draft range where the Blazers historically have had success. And also, I think there's going to be some people that fall out of the first round that are still going to be very useful NBA players. I mean, you're talking. I think Bill Simmons was talking about it on his podcast this week, you know, kind of a one in 10 chance that you're going to hit somebody there. Um, that's going to be a useful, impactful player, but the Blazers have had good luck. I, I like their chances of finding someone who is going to be able to contribute because there's probably going to be opportunity um, at those spots. Um, Don't forget NBA champion, Pat Connaughton. Yeah. Oh, very, very much so. Um, 
you know, maybe we'll get Mason Plumley back too. Um, but outside of that, you know, the draft is still a ways away. I mean, I'm pouring through the, these draft profiles. Um, I'll have Jalen Duran probably the same day that you're listening to this. So that'll be coming out. Um, but as far as watching basketball, is there is there a team or teams that you're, you're willing to adopt and root for while you're watching playoff basketball? Is there anybody you're kind of pulling for now that the Blazers have been eliminated? You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. I think I've got a soft spot for the Grizzlies. Um, I just I just like the way they play, and I love Jar. Um, I'm definitely not rooting for the Pelicans, although I don't, probably don't need to worry about that because they're, they're going to get absolutely spanked by the Suns. Um, yeah... I, I think I think it's the Grizzlies. I think I'm hoping for Utah not to win because I think they're about to blow it up and Portland might be able to be the beneficiaries of that. But I think, yeah, I think Memphis. Yeah, I, I think well, we'll get to teams that are actively rooting against here in a second. So you, you've, you've kind of hinted at who you're going in that direction. But as far as teams I'm rooting for, in the West, you know, I'm kind of a – I like Taylor Jenkins a lot. I like that Memphis team. I, I'm not a huge Dylan Brooks guy, so I have a hard time rooting for the Grizzlies a lot of the time. Um, so, so the West, I'm a little sparse. I, I could see a lot of those teams lose and not really wouldn't hurt my feelings. The East is where I kind of come into a, a, a conundrum because I really do like so many of the teams um, in that side of the bracket. I, I love Boston's turnaround story this year. I love their coaching staff, obviously. I mean, just Portland roots in M.A. Odoka and Damon Stoudemire being on that bench, Peyton Pritchard, uh, you know, a reserve player, um, a team that, you know, really stuck to the players they drafted and brought in themselves and kind of got rid of the stars that they had brought in, you know, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and they really just doubled down on their own players. And they really, if they can get past this 
Brooklyn team, I think they could make some noise here. I think it's just a really tough matchup as we saw in game one, but I just a team I, I find myself rooting for also too is at the other end of the bracket is the Miami heat another for another reason, just because you know, Eric Spolstra Portland guy, but also, you know, Pat Riley has his fingertips or fingerprints all over that team as far and just another just legend. Also just a tremendously nice person I've met in person. You're talking about an NBA legend that talked to me just like a normal person actually wanted to care, like cared about what I was up to that day or what I was covering as an NBA summer league. And then also it doesn't hurt that Adrian Brody is absolutely crushing it as Pat Riley. I was and just, on about, I was just about to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. say great, 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 great show yeah. and great uh, personification. Yeah. I think it's that whole show, just a quick winning time tangent. It takes a lot for me to like, actively root for the Lakers on the show. I mean, granted I've read the book and kind of know what happens, but like it just, it just Adam McKay really pulling out the stops and, and bringing Jeff Perlman's book and that era to life and making me, I hate to say it, almost root for the Lakers a little bit. So it's a, uh, it's been, been interesting. Um, as far as teams we're rooting against, you've mentioned the jazz. I I'm right on board with you there. I, uh, I think they're on the verge of collapse. And what I said on a couple of podcasts ago is when you have flexibility, like the Blazers have, you want volatility across the league. I think jazz situation become, could become incredibly volatile very quickly. If they exit early, especially against a Mavericks team that is going to play without uh, Luca for at least a few games, mm. potentially the whole se- or the whole series. So is there anybody else that you're kind of rooting against, whether it's to benefit the Blazers or it's just a player you maybe can't stand? There's two others, and I'm going to contradict you on one of them. So <laughs> okay. in linking to the Utah Jazz, the, the scuttlebutt has been Donovan to Miami. Mm. And if that's the case, and if, if I, I can't imagine Miami do that deal unless they don't kind of get get to where they want to be this playoffs. And the collateral in that could be Jimmy Butler. Um, yes, he's uh, he's mercurial and a little bit unpredictable, but to, to, to see Jimmy and Damien together would be, uh, would be tremendous. And I think Portland may have the assets to get that done. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping Miami doesn't do as well as you're hoping they are. Um, <laughs> The other one, and this might be more of a kind of a, a lesser, I don't, I don't really care too much about it, but Toronto is an interesting one, mm-hmm. especially as they're currently getting getting absolutely smashed by the Sixers. Um, just looking at Pascal Siakam and OG Ananubi. Um, probably OG less so, because I don't think Toronto really want to part with him, but looking at Pascal and the age he's at and something that, that, that Messiah might want to part with. So yeah, those are the two teams. Yeah. I, I mean, it's tough to kind of argue with those. I, I mean, I see uh, there's been a lot of a surprising amount of Jimmy Butler talk in blazer circles. Um, I don't know how I feel about bringing Jimmy Butler onto the blazers right now. Uh, I think they're, they're a little bit further away from contention that we'd all like to admit. Um, 
I think the last thing I want to do is put Jimmy Butler in like a practice huddle with like Trenton Watford and Anthony. Some guys that just really haven't proven themselves at a high, high level. Like Anthony Simons is a little different. Like I think he's legit, but like he hasn't done it on a playoff stage. Um, Jimmy Butler has shown that if you're not dialed in and on board, which this isn't necessarily a terrible thing, but he uh, does not care about your confidence or you being comfortable in your situation. So it's, it's a double-edged I just, I just think with Watford and, I just think with Watford and Simons, though, they are the kind of young guys that are willing to work, work yeah. hard. So I, I think they would – I don't think that would be an issue. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I agree with you for the most part, but I just think, uh, you know, I, I want increased volatility on the market, not increased volatility in, in Tualatin in the practice yeah. facility. So, yeah, um, but I, I get it. There's a lot, you know, even there's some secondary players on that heat team that if they do look to make a big move and looking for a third partner, there's te- players that are interesting on that roster. Like I think Duncan Robinson, I mean, yes, his contract's a little big for what he's contributing, but I think he could just use a change of scenery. He's the type of player that the, the Blazers have attempted to overpay for in the past could be an interesting name. Um, mm. ju- ju- just total speculation. There's no anything linking any of that to the Blazers. That's just me talking out loud. Um, as far as potential trades, um, I-, I mean, obviously there's some of the Miami stuff. The Jazz are really the team to watch. And then also I think the Mavericks, they don't really have a lot of assets to trade, but they're another team that could, you know, maybe is looking to accelerate the timeline around Luca. So we'll see what their, what, what their off season approach is. But again, a team that is does not have a lot of trade capital, but you know, we'll see how desperate they get with some of their other assets. So I've always, I've always liked DFS Dorian Finney Smith. I think (laughs) he would fit so well on this Portland roster. I just don't know how that deal would come about. I don't know what Portland would have to give up in that kind of situation. All right. Anything before we get out of here? Any any draft profiles that stuck out to you? Any any thoughts on, on watching the postseason? You know, kind of the Blazers lull here before the the lottery gets going. I will say this is the first year I've really kind of focused on college basketball, um, and I've taken a real interest in the top of the draft. And Keegan Murray is the one player kind of outside that top four that really, really interests me, um, especially given the need in Portland. He just, he looks like he has it on both ends. He's, he's teamed awfully um, in the tournament, but I, I just really think if the Blazers don't get that top four pick and he's still there, he's the type of player that I'd love to see them take. I think we're going to have our first real basketball disagreement, man. I, I am, I, you know, I had high hopes for, for my, my love of Keegan Murray, but really, you know, taking some of the notes and then looking at some of the advanced stats, I, I was, I became very grounded on the Keegan Murray front. I, I think he's a fine player. I, I think he's one of the most high floor players. I think you know what you're getting in Keegan Murray, but as far as, you know, inspiring a lot of hope and high ceiling for the future. He just doesn't quite do it for me. I'm, I have a, some worry about his production and efficiency against really good teams. I think a lot of what he does inside, which that's not the reason he's going to go that high. It's his perimeter offense. But what he does inside the arc, I don't think is going to be effective at the NBA. So I think he's going to be very limited or or pushed to the perimeter on offense, which okay. again, not the end of the world. But um, I mean, if you're picking in the top, five 
I, I just want those swing for the fence type players that could really reshape, you know, this franchise beyond even the Damian Lillard era. So, um, I, I was are you, surprised. Are you, are you a Chet or a, a Jabari at this point? It's so hard because it, it's one of those things where if you it, just looking at Jabari and his body of work and what he does well, he seems like such a safe pick with still a lot of ceiling. I mean, what he does is what the NBA wants. He is a knockdown shooter. I think he's a, a little bit more like Michael Porter Jr. than, than some other players. Um, after watching him, he, I mean, I think he has a higher ceiling as a shot blocker. He, he did play again next to Walker Kessler at Auburn who did all the shot blocking duties. So I, I think he has a little bit more room to grow there. I, I think, and that's just by role. Um, but you look at, Chet I, I actually got, I got a bit of Lamarcus from watching him as well. Yeah. A little um, bit. I mean, his, ba- his baseline game is not nowhere near what Lamarcus brought to the table um but but he does have a little bit of a turnaround shot his baseline game is going to come around with experience but um there there is a lot i i can see that comparison for sure um just from a height standpoint and his shot release chet on the other hand is such a unicorn as far as efficiency stats i mean it's staggering to look at some of his numbers and what he was able to do and not only you know the knock against Gonzaga is their level of competition, but what's cool about, you know, a lot of the Ken Palm numbers is you're able to see how he performs against top level competition. And he actually, in a lot of metrics performs better against better competition. He rises to the level of competition and, you know, something that Keegan Murray kind of struggles with. Um, The other thing is Chet Holmgren is just so much more natural with the ball in his hand and, excuse my phone ringing. I did. I did again. That's two podcasts in a row. Um, I, he, he's so much more comfortable as an initiator. He can start a fast break. Um, something that Jabari Jabari's most effective as a trailer. So, but again, we're, we're, I'm nitpicking these things between two very good prospects. And I really haven't even dug into, to Paulo again and revisited some of his stuff because there kind of hit a lull for me in the season. I think I deserve to give him a second chance too, because I think he's another person that's going to be a legitimate contender to be the number one pick. So but that's my long winded top of the draft. Mm-hmm. I hope the Blazers are picking somewhere in the top three or four, but um, mm-hmm. th- those are my hopes. So anyway, I think that's all we got this week. Adrian, I appreciate you jumping on last minute. Um, as always, you know, you're the man you you come in in the clutch here so i appreciate it um anything you want to plug before we get out of here uh so you're just on blaze's edge um this week i'm looking at the milwaukee bucks in 2025 um which is obviously quite pertinent to where portland are at the moment um but you can get me on twitter on at a bernicich that's at a b e r n e c i c h and yeah and uh, and anything else coming up on blaze's edge all right. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, again, I'll have more draft profiles coming out all this week. I think I have, I think last time I counted like 47 more to go. So, you know, here we go. Um, so I'm going to get through the first round and then I will be looking at those second round picks, uh, both early and late in the second round. So appreciate everybody who's checking those out. It's generating a bunch of discussion on the website. So um, it's always exciting to see, even if I don't agree with everything or you don't agree with me, that's why we do it. So um, again, thank, 
thank you for all the support there. We'll we'll do be doing a lot more draft centric stuff on this show. Um, until next week, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.